Welcome to The Shed Wireless, a podcast from the Australian Men's Shed Association, shoulder to shoulder, virtually. Yes, hello and welcome. I'm Aaron Carney, your host and the Executive Officer of the Australian Men's Shed Association. David Helmers is with us as well. Hello, David. Hello, Aaron. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. We don't muck about here on the Shed Wireless. We've only got the Governor-General of Australia on today. He's been a big supporter of the Men's Shed movement and um, of our organisation, and I believe there's a bit of history in this, Aaron, is that um, this is the first time the Governor-General's participated in a uh, podcast, mate. History indeed, and he's actually quite proud of it. I he think. is, he has been gloating about it in the media. <laughs> he has, which uh, we're more than happy for him to uh, uh, take a little bit of reflected glory from uh, the magnificent Shed Wireless, no problem at all, Your Excellency. Uh, also, we're going to go out and visit the Wellington Men's Shed in this episode, a shed I know you're well and truly familiar with. It is, it's a fantastic shed. I've been out there... I remember going out there many years ago when it was a little tiny shed after the, um, they set up after the Manly Conference and it's taken them many years but you know, it's a great story how they got two Lysart huts and joined them together, the mil- old military huts and they, they always told me the story that the, the day they put the roof on the shed the average age was 70 on the roof. So it's a, it's a magnificent story how they put it all together. I look forward to that. Uh, some wonderful servants to that shed, as I know there are right across Australia. Also coming up in this episode, Barry Golding and David will continue their history of Australian shedding. Stu will be along to tell you what Clint Eastwood can teach us about showing gratitude. Rip Woodchip will rip in and nail it as usual and a whole lot more. But before we go to the Governor-General of Australia, David, I know that AMSA has been, I wouldn't say overwhelmed, but certainly kept on their toes in the last few days because we are at an emerging time in this uh, isolation and lockdown challenge that we all face, and a lot of people are looking for answers. Long story short, everyone wants back in the shed, don't they? They do. And look, I would use the terms overwhelmed, to be honest, Aaron. The, the, the <laughs> yeah, right, fair flat enough. Out. Now, earlier this week, we sent out some notification to the sheds on the processes of reopening, and we're getting a lot of questions, people saying, can we open, can we not? As we've always said, as the Australian Men's Shed Association, we can't tell the sheds what to do. We provide more of a leadership role and advice to them. And there's lots of conflicting things out there. But basically what we're telling the sheds at the moment is first, you know, to, for the committee to discuss what they want, their reopening, check with their state government regulations, and we've posted them out in numerous forms of communication so they can look there. And most importantly, then the next step is to contact the trustee or the owner of the shed. Most sheds in Australia are on third property uh, party properties such as crown lands, council land, church land, go to the local council, email them and ask them if they can reopen because essentially in some areas the councils are saying, hey, all public facilities that we manage are closed until further notice. Some areas are different. So then to go, yeah, once they've got that in place, the decision comes down to the committee essentially to make that 
as long as it's safe and it's legal to do so, then they can open. They'll be covered by our insurance if it is legal to do so. Then communicate that out to the members. And we've also got out there, and I won't go through it all now, Aaron, but we've got a great guide for the sheds to operational guidelines, how the shed should operate in this time and for the moment. This way we don't have to go back and revise everything once you know, new legislation's come in place. But we understand they're very keen to get back to the shed. I'm keen to get back to the shed. So these are our decisions. This is government legislation, and that's what they have to monitor. So, uh, look, if they've got any doubts in their minds at all, contact us or contact the COVID hotlines. The inconvenient truth of the matter is that we'd really like to be able to send out a one-line email that says, go back to normal on X date, but it just is not going to be that simple, is it? No, it's not going to be that simple, and it's you know it comes down to a lot of local regulation as well. So you know going through their local councils or land trustees is probably the best bet as well. It's good advice, and as with all things that we do here on the Shed Wireless, we refer you to the AMSA website. It is a rich resource in any number of ways, and we encourage you to use it, whether it's just to catch up with some friends with the men's shed online or whether it's to access important dispatches like the ones that David has just described, you really can't go wrong by uh, spending a healthy amount of time in the company of the AMSA website. On that very note, we have a little bit of uh, breaking news for the Shed Wireless as well this week, and that is that we have our very own email now. So you are able to get in contact with us directly. Is there someone interesting at your shed that we should be talking to? No worries. Drop us a line at our new email address. Would you like to feature in our Working in the Shed segment? That's a possibility. Drop us an email. Perhaps you would just like to hear us say hi to you and the other shedders in your neck of the woods here on the Shed Wireless. Perhaps there's a topic you would like us to kick around, whether it be related to health or whether you'd like to have a little bit of fun. Hell, if you've got some original music out there and you'd like to hear it on the Shed Wireless and you can give us all the appropriate permissions, email it by all means. There's plenty of bands and musicians out there in the Sheds, Aaron. We've got, they're always contacting us, so we'd love to hear from them and, and promote some of their material. I've been eyeing off one or two tunes from across Australia that might become permanent fixtures on the Shed Wireless, but we shan't get ahead of ourselves. What we will do is tell you how you can get in contact with us. And it is very simple. It is theshedwireless at menshed.net. That is our new email address, theshedwireless. No surprises there. Doesn't matter if it's upper or lowercase. The Shed Wireless, all one word, at menshed.net and menshed has two s's in it men's and then shed the shed wireless at menshed.net we would love to hear from you i would love to be in a position where we are sending regular shout outs to sheds across australia and across the world for that matter i was looking at the downloads this morning and we are indeed being heard all over the world. So we'd love to hear from you wherever you are. In fact, if you think you might be our furthest flung listener, then by all means, have a, have a go. See if you can win the imaginary prize. There's a challenge out there, Aaron. You've um, laid the benchmark, mate. Exactly right. So the Shed Wireless at menshed.net. You and I need to step aside, good sir, because Her Majesty's representative down under, His Excellency, the Governor-General of Australia, is next on The Shed Wireless. 
You're listening to The Shed Wireless. I'm delighted now to welcome to The Shed Wireless for the very first time, but I promise it will not be the last time you will hear him on The Shed Wireless, the chairman of the Australian Men's Shed Association, Paul Sladden. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? Very well, thank you. We will have a long and in-depth catch-up with you at some point on the Shed Wireless, uh, but you're here in a formal chairman capacity. The reason we've asked you to join us is to welcome a special, indeed arguably the most special guest that one can have in Australia, Queen Elizabeth II's representative in this nation. The Australian Men's Shed Association is honoured to have as one of its patrons His Excellency General the Honourable David John Hurley the Governor-General of the Commonwealth of Australia. Many of you are well aware of His Excellency's service, but after a long and distinguished 42-year military career, he served as Chief of the Defence Force and later the 38th Governor of New South Wales before being sworn in as Governor-General last year. An eventful year it has been since. Despite fulfilling this role at a definitive time in Australian history, he's been good enough to prioritise his role as AMSA patron, offering support and outreach You may well have seen his video message on our website, and he's also given us some time today. So it is my honour to welcome to the Shed Wireless, His Excellency, the Governor-General of the Commonwealth of Australia, General the Honourable David Hurley. Welcome. Well, Aaron and Paul, thank you very much. Uh, Delighted to join you both, and of course, all those who will be listening, and uh, thank you for the great work that the Men's Sheds does, and really looking forward to the conversation this morning. Thank you for making time for us this morning, uh, Your Excellency. Um, how are you and Her Excellency, Mrs Hurley, doing during these challenging times? Well, Paul, we're, we're physically well, so um, that, that hasn't been an issue. And, and because, like everyone else, we've been uh, in the lockdown process, social distanced and uh, so on. Uh, so in that sense, we're well. I think uh, in terms of uh, our work, um, we could talk about that a bit further, but that's been a bit frustrating. But physically, we're well, and um, and have been in contact with uh, with uh, many Australians while we've been here. But looking for the opportunity to get out and about. On that, Your Excellency, how has it affected your ability to work? Because a large part of your role is meeting people in quite intimate ways. Yeah, Aaron, it's uh, to say my diary or our diaries imploded. Um, so, as you know, my job, apart from the constitutional issues, uh, is all about engaging people, meeting people, and uh, across Australia, in their workplaces, and wherever. So we haven't been able to do that, uh, and that's my comment before about it being so frustrating. So, but we've, as I say in the movies, we've hit the phones and phoned many organisations as a conversation I had with Paul a few weeks back and uh, doing video messages, video link-ups, uh, Zoom meetings with school kids and so on. So we've tried to be um, as flexible and as adaptable as we can uh, and reasonably successful in doing that, but we are looking forward to getting out and about again. Yes, Excellency, I've, I've certainly noticed you've been very busy um, on the social media front with your uh, Facebook page and the many messages of support and encouragement you've been given to the, um, well, to the Australian public in general, uh, but also those uh, various uh, organisations of which you are the patron of. Um, 
Is uh, is that something new for you with these uh, with the uh, social media, the uh, the new technology, or is it something you? Oh, uh, Paul, I, I must admit, it, it, it's nothing new. Uh, in defence, uh, we will quite often be using uh, video conferencing and all that sort of thing. So I understand the tools and how they're used, but it hasn't been such a big part of the way we've done business in the first 10 months or so in this appointment, but it will be much more integrated into what we do in the future. Um, so, yeah, that's one good tick that's come out of this that we've, uh, like I think most businesses and organisations in Australia, have been forced to rethink uh, the use of technology. I've sort of likened it to being on a national experiment in flexible work arrangement. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yes, we've certainly all had to um, learn um, how to be flexible in, in these times and particularly with the sheds, it's, uh, it has been good to see the, um, I suppose, the uh, IT uh, literacy that has improved as a result of this with people getting online and communicating, supporting each other through Zoom or Skype or uh, other types of uh, social media. So that's that has been a positive, I, uh, I do think, has come out of this. Well, they do say that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, or in this case, of probably upgrading your, your skills and knowledge. Um, but I've been very happy to see the way that uh, Men's Shed has used uh, social media and the different uh, platforms it provides to stay connected because, as we all know, during uh, this period over the last couple of months, staying connected has been absolutely important. Indeed. Your Excellency, what has been the key message that you have been communicating to Australia and indeed that you would like to communicate to the Shedders who are listening now? Yes, well, I think first of all, um, try to avoid giving any sort of message that you're looking at this through rose-coloured glasses. It has been difficult uh, on the health level on the social level and on the economic, and it will continue in at least the social and economic into the future. Uh, so I think being candid about that and understanding what the implications of that are for the way that organisations I deal with uh, do their business. You know, if you're a not-for-profit and you rely on an annual uh, fundraising cycle uh, to fund your work, then you are in difficult circumstances at the present time. Many of them are. So my message has been, right, we've got to acknowledge where we are in this and that acknowledged through that acknowledgement we start working out okay what roles uh, can we play to assist people so if we're in that age group where men shed volunteering have capacity how do we apply that capacity to help our community and you know the men sheds i think will be focused on local community so uh, what can we do in that sense to help out uh, and people will understand what their local needs are, I'm sure, by asking. But I, uh, an important part of the message is also to be encouraged by the character of the people we are. And so over that Anzac period, without you know, going too far in the analogy between war and responding to a pandemic, we need to understand what it reveals, these things reveal about us. And we are a good people. And... Yeah, I say that in a number of respects, that um, we will look out for each other. Just look at what happened, that spontaneous outpouring during the bushfires of people, how can we help? Yeah, inundating communities perhaps too much at times with, with goods, 
But when they realise, okay, how to best channel that, mm. uh, we're all very rich in our giving. And so that sort of spirit, I think, has got to be really important here, looking out for those who are doing it hard and how do we help because, you know, we'll have the national programs, we'll have the state programs, but it's that fine sense of what's happening at community level which is so important so you can really direct uh, what's going on to help people there. Yeah, certainly that's um, that, that's very true in terms of that local local response and how uh, sheds in particular are going to respond to the um, to the local needs uh, once we are out of this. So, just on the um, on the topic of the sheds and as the patron, uh, your excellency, uh, just a few of your thoughts about your history and involvement with sheds mm. and. Um, and the value you see in men's sheds and the work they do? Yeah, I can't say that I um, was overly involved before I became the Governor of New South Wales. I was well aware of uh, what they did and uh, I knew members of them. Some of my best friends were members of uh, men's sheds. Um, but uh, uh, once I had the opportunity to interact and build them into our program, I think inherently Linda and I understood the role they were playing. A, to help men connect with each other um, when you know, they often go into retirement or they lose their partner and so on. There can be a sense of being lost. So coming back together with friends or meeting new friends in a social environment, but a constructive social environment. You know, you've got a job to do, hands-on, thinking things through. I think that's absolutely critical. So there's that sort of inward benefit of it. And then, as we know, um, men's sheds, with the way they can produce things, uh, can either gift or raise funds for commu- uh, communities by what they make, by what they repair, by helping out uh, people who might be isolated by normal circumstances at home. Uh, you know, placing items, helping them raise funds for items and so forth. So, yeah, you know, the social value of men's sheds uh, is just enormous. Every shed we've met, visited, and the people we've met have, yeah, you know, they all have a smile on their face. They're making a constructive contribution back to community, and what they're doing is good for themselves internally. So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of big pluses in in the Medshed uh, philosophy and the way it does its business. Your Excellency, a personal question, if I may. I'm fascinated by. The arc of your life and your history. Yes, you are the Queen's representative in Australia, but you're the son of an Illawarra steel worker and your mum worked in a grocery store and uh, you were a military man for a long time. There aren't many places in the world somebody from your background would necessarily rise to a position like the one that you now hold. It's almost trite to say, but it's, we're a great country and there is an opportunity, there is opportunity here. You know, it's not that you set out to do these things. Mm. Finished high school, I wanted to go to Sydney University to study archaeology. Why archaeology? I was just fascinated with it as a child, you know, reading God for gods and scholars and all these great... Yeah, you know, it just excited me, that whole idea of discovery and understanding how, you know, civilizations rose and grew and people do. Yeah. I realised at an early age that... Oh, sorry, that, that, that early on that I probably couldn't afford to put myself through a university. I'd been a school cadet for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, I was aware of Duntroon. I had a, a defence scholarship to assist with 
some cost in my last two years at school. Um, so I decided to give the military a go, get a degree primarily, and if I didn't like it, I would leave. Well, 42 years later, I found the said sign here, you can go. <laughs> so I just found that every time I thought my time was up in the Defence Force, I was offered another job or another experience that was, you know, exciting. You could grow into it. Um, so I enjoyed my career there. You know, of course, it had its ups and downs, but uh, that's life. I, it just speaks to, to our country, though, that, you know, we are... We say we're egalitarian. We are. We we have our levels as all societies do. But there are, there are, there's no barrier there. And um, in my in my case, you just you put your head down and keep working. And uh, then someday someday someone taps you on the shoulder. I mean, both occasions when I became governor of New South Wales and the governor general, when I was asked. These were questions entirely out of the blue. Uh, one was uh, a cup of coffee with Barry O'Farrell when he was uh, uh, Premier of New South Wales. I thought he was asking me to come along as CDF to talk about access for uh, cruise ships to Garden Island. So I had all my information ready to defend the defence position and the Navy position. Uh, and I was asked to become the Governor of New South Wales. And become the Governor General, I was at work at Government House in Sydney, got a phone call saying the Prime Minister wants to meet with you tomorrow morning. That was the first I knew about it when he walked into my room and said, or office and said, I want you to be the next Governor General. It's a surprising country. It's a great country. So have ambition, have desire and just get on with your life. You've perhaps partially answered the final question that we wanted to ask you this morning, Your Excellency, with that last answer. But as many people find themselves out of their comfort zone at best, quite distressed at worst across the country, and given all that you have learned in your roles as Governor-General and Governor of New South Wales, what enduring message can you offer? What would you like people to take away from mm. listening to this conversation? I think there is no... I mean, there's a lot of talk about opportunity to for change post the pandemic, I'm quite sure what the environment will be in the future, whether we'll have a vaccine or not, and you know how do you manage opening up Australia to the world again. So all those sorts of big issues are in play before the pandemic came. We have problems with homelessness and domestic violence and mental health and issues like that, and no magic wand is going to occur to take, make them go away. Uh, I hope that during the last two months, people have, pro have had time to reflect about the importance of personal connection because in many of these issues, root cause is lack of personal connection. You know, people are isolated by whatever circumstances come into their life. Well, a couple of months back now with uh, an organisation, we started called Stay Kind. Yeah, be kind in July. Be kind to each other. I think that is a really critical message in the future. There will be people who will be really, you know, doing it really tough in our country. There will be people unemployed, not working the same hours they had before, um, for all sorts of reasons, be dislocated from where they may have been before. We've got to keep our eye out for those people from the community to the national level uh, and build the sort of integrated social response that we need for the situation we're going to be in. Yeah, I think being on the lookout for each other and doing what we can for each other and not walking past and saying it's not my job. All of us are going to be in this together. So 
And for a while, we might be all within the borders of the country for it together. So be kind to each other, look out for each other, do what you can. And for those who are suffering in, in these circumstances, you will do what you can for yourself, of course. But <laughs> don't be afraid to just go to somebody and say, hey, look, I just need a helping hand through this for a while, but we'll be right at the end of it. That sort of uh, approach, I think, is uh, nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about. It's simply acknowledging we're in, we could be in difficult times and people uh, need assistance to get them through. Uh, that's excellent, um, Your Excellency. Uh, that, that, that message really will um, hit home to uh, our shedders out there. Um, they know that uh, one of the main reasons that they do go there is to get that support. But, you, you know, uh, I certainly agree with you in terms of um, the change that we will have to have in our society is one that will be a more kind, looking after one another um, situation. So thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for not only being our patron, but also for uh, your continuing support and for giving us your time today. And uh, we wish you and Mrs Hurley... Uh, all the best and um, hopefully uh, we can catch up once this uh, in person uh, once this uh, social distancing uh, situation improves for us all yeah Paul thank you very much and uh, I know Linda if Linda was here she'd make you all sing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she she loves the men's uh, shed uh, as a whole and each individual and uh, sees that understands the power of it uh, so much and uh, best wishes to, again to everybody uh, who's listening and to please pass on our best wishes to your other members. Wish you well in the future. We will, I'm having a meeting this afternoon with my staff to see if we can get a what I'm calling D-Day, the first day out the door, and get back on our, uh, our track. So the way we're approaching that is to make a sort of three-month template, which we'll just put down over the calendar as soon as I can start travelling. Uh, with priorities to get to the bushfire-affected communities, uh, get out to um, institutions, hospitals, organisations that have been assisting uh, in combating the pandemic, which I think is really important. And then there'll be a number of themes we'll follow through that I think are going to be uh, important over the next uh, six to 12 months, like youth engagement and so forth, because I think the youngsters feel a bit uh, disengaged, not necessarily disengaged, probably the wrong word, but trying to understand the impact of, of what's happened in the last two months on their lives into the future, schooling, education, job opportunity and so forth. So important we get out to, to the youngsters and uh, and help them discuss, consider and, and, and get things into a right perspective. So a lot of work to be done. I think there's a couple of themes there that combine the be kind message and also understanding that everybody in their circumstance, whether it be one of our mates from the shed or whether it be uh, our grandson or nephew who's lost his job or anything in between, these uh, times to come together. Your Excellency, we are honoured to have you as a patron of the Australian Men's Shed Association and we're really humbled given how many demands there are on your time that you have been so generous with your time in joining us virtually in this new initiative. Uh, we, like you and everyone else, are trying to use technology to keep authentic personal connections in this era of social distancing. So thank you for helping us to do that today and for giving us some insight 
uh, into how you are mm. dealing with the challenges, but also how we might uh, come together as a nation and uh, take on the next phase. Thank you very much for your time today. Aaron, Paul, thank you very much. And as I said, uh, best wishes to everyone out there. That is His Excellency, the Governor-General of the Commonwealth of Australia, General the Honourable David Hurley, and uh, Paul Sladden, Chairman of the Australian Men's Shed Association. Uh, thank you. Promise we will have a big, long catch-up about life, the universe, and everything here on the Shed Wireless when time permits. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it with Rip Woodchip. G'day, Shedders. Rip Woodchip here. How you all going this week? Happy Monday to you. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know what bloody day it is. I've been busy this week doing all the little jobs the missus has been setting for me to do around the house, seeing I've been spending so much time at home. You see, each time she thinks of a job, she writes it on one of them little post-it notes and sticks it to the shelf in the kitchen. The first job I've got to do is build another bloody shelf because she's run out of room for the notes. So how you all been going anyway, staying connected? Anyone out there advanced their technological repertoire over the last few weeks? I must admit I am improving as I get better. I must have made about 40 emails this week and about 10 Skype calls. And that's just to the missus in the other room. You see, uh, we're practising our social distancing. Actually, we've been practising for a few years now. There's been a bit of activity on the old shit online this week. One particular topic sparked my attention. Young Dave Clark from over in South Australia has posted the topic, What activities does your shed cater for? Now, I've been pretty privileged to poke my head into many sheds in my travels, and I've seen just about everything, I reckon, from bandsaws to bonsais and belt makers in the sheds. There seems to be no bloody limit to what goes on in the sheds nowadays. Doesn't seem that long ago we were just about making wooden toys and fixing bikes using mostly rusty tools that had been donated by Mrs Jones when old Mr Jones down the road passed away. But now, jeez, we've got plasma and laser cutters, CNC machines, laminators and lays churning out some work that would be fit for the presidential bloody palace. And now there's even bloody shed bands popping up all over the place. What'll be next, the shed boy band? As long as they don't do the full Monty, I suppose. There's some bloody talent amongst us old fellas, not ready for the shelf yet. Which brings me to another post on there. What to do about getting older. An article all about flipping the script on getting old. 80s is the new 60, I reckon. And the secret of getting older is to stay active in the body and in the brain. Just like I was saying last week. I reckon it's just going to the shed or put another 20 runs on my score. I'm busier now than I was when I was blue collar and learning something new just about every day, not to mention sharing some of my own talents with some of the other lads. You never know what you can do until you try, they reckon, and I've seen blokes come down to the shed that have pretty much never used a tool in their life, within weeks of producing stuff on the lathe or something that's fit for show, bloody near artwork. Kind of the reverse of me becoming a bit of a tech head in my later years, I suppose. Who said you can't teach an old dog new tricks? When I get back to the shed, I reckon I'll be starting up some of them Shed Online for Dummies classes so I can chat with more of me mates when the real shed is offline. So come on, fellas, get on the Shed Online and share some of the goings-on in your shed 
or even just what's going on in your head. I'll talk to you next week. Chat to you soon, fellas. See ya. We'd been exploring here on The Shed Wireless what it is about the men's shed concept that works so well. What made it become a global phenomenon? How has it evolved over time? And nobody in the world has looked more closely at those questions than Professor Barry Golding AM. Barry is, of course, a leading academic, but within the shed movement, he's patron of the Australian Men's Shed Association, inaugural chair of the International Men's Shed Organization, and author of The Men's Shed Movement, The Company of Men. He was awarded the AMSA Ted Donnelly Award in 2013 for an outstanding contribution to the men's shed movement. And today, after we have traversed the somewhat controversial territory of the early sheds and how they popped up like mushrooms in various locations, how did they go from, I guess, individual or isolated pursuits into something of a movement? Let's hear what Barry has to say about that. I think by around 2005, there was enough sheds uh, around the place in in very diverse places um, for people to realise that something was going on and that they they needed to sort of somehow bring it together. I would I would put uh, I, I, my 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 thought is that the uh, the real uh, interesting spark was, uh, a- and the genius was um, Gary Green, who was a health worker in Orbost, in um, in uh, in rural Victoria, decided to organise a men's sheds conference, which seemed wacky because no one really knew what they were in government and. Even Gary Green basically organised this quite stunning um, little conference through the uh, Orbos Men's Shed. It was held in Lakes Entrance. And I think a number of people who've been scratching around um, in sheds, including myself, and I think Ted Donnelly was there, and uh, yeah, a few others. Um, uh, the guy from Manningham Men's Shed was there, Orbos Men's Shed. That uh, they came across. So there was around there was around sixty people there. No one had ever really made a list of where the sheds were. So I got a roadmap. I went down to the BP garage and bought a roadmap and pinned it on a, on a pinned it on a. Put, pinned it on a uh, on the wall and bought a packet of pins and said, "If you know where a shed is, put put a pin in the map." And very quickly, I said, "Put in on all the sheds you know." And we ended up with more sheds than anyone really realised knew existed. I think there were maybe thirty by that stage. Um, some of the earliest ones were in. Like Lane Cove in New South Wales opened in '98. Um, some had opened in Adelaide, in Port Augusta, and Allgate in '99. Uh, Manningham and Orbost opened in 2000. There were there were a whole range of sheds open in 2001, um, mainly in South Australia. But by by 2004. 
five, there was enough sheds to have a conference. And at that conference, people talked about what was going on. And um, after that conference, I set up a database, which I shared with everybody who had a shed. So they knew where their shed fitted in. And as new sheds were created, I updated the database and just kept circulating it. I ended up handing that over to the Victorian Men's Sheds Association and later the Men's, Australian Men's Sheds Association when it formed in 2007. So the, by, the Victorian Association formed after the 2005 conference. And I think shortly afterwards, David, if I'm right, the Australian Men's Sheds Association formed and got the national conference together in 2007. But you might be better at telling that story. Yeah, look, I think um, when it comes to the, the formation, both, both associations were formed as legal entities in 2007. I know, you know all of them were spoken about and discussed uh, much earlier than that. Um, but the... the, the Actual formation of them as legal entities um, didn't come about to 2007. And that kind of leads us back to the Manly Conference. And, you know, the, the Manly Conference was organised with um, Lane Cove, Men's Shed and Uniting Care in, in, in Sydney. But going back to that, Barry, what do you think, you know, was the biggest outcome of the, of the Manly Conference? I know it was the, the first gathering we had where we had a, a mass of people. I've still got the photo there with you know, a, hundred, a couple of hundred blokes standing out front of that huge palace of a building that it was on a, on a North Head there in Sydney. It was very spectacular. Um, but what do you think really came out of, out of that event? I think two things. One was, and this is really important, I think that conference generated a huge amount of media. People were fascinated with, with men's sheds, um, newspapers, TV programs. The coverage that that conference got, um, like, you know, people have been rubbing, the genie had popped out of the bottle, um, you know, almost nine years before, but it really hadn't captured the attention of the media. Uh, and the other thing, of course, I think a, n a number of, and you and others had, um, um, strategically uh, invited members of government along and there were also a number of researchers uh, including myself um, and I think what came together was media also what came together was evidence we had evidence that it worked I did the national I did the national study of um, men's sheds across Australia through the National Centre for Vocational Education Research in 2007. And we launched that at the Manning Med Shed in, in Melbourne. And that became, ironically, one of the most downloaded um, reports for the National Centre for Vocational Education Research, even though it had nothing to do with vocational education research. They were quite peeved or um, that this obscure report was the one that people really wanted. It had nothing to do with jobs much and it had nothing to do with um, um, sheds becoming training centres. But what it had a lot to do with, it, it sort of, it showed 
that nationally there was evidence of impact. And I think that's what the Manly program, mainly Manly conference showed. It showed that we had numbers. It showed that we had evidence. It showed we had government supports. And it also showed that we were united as a movement. Yeah, uh, look, I think one of the things that came out of it, and I remember you know, a couple of significant things there was one that showed that unity and we all started to realise that um, we were onto something here and, you know, that this had a lot of potential. I also remember, you know, from an operational perspective, you know, back at Manly, and I was in the position then where I was, you know, a paid coordinator by Catholic Care in Newcastle for the Lake Macquarie Window Shed project. And that seemed to be the modelling that everybody was aspiring to. Um, but there was also a group of us there that thought that that is totally unsustainable, um, looking at the expenses and the, the money that was required to um, employ coordinators for each shed was completely unobtainable. And that's where um, Ted Donnelly and Gary Green and a few others you know, got involved in discussions there about, okay, well, let's try and centralise it. There were a lot of people duplicating the work out there. And I think it really laid the foundations of what AMSA was to become, you know, many years later or a few years later after that. Yes. Um, is that central information sharing? Why, why, you know, reinvent the wheel each time? Yeah. But also, I remember very fondly at that um, conference, Barry, a little phrase you may have said, which struck a nerve with a lot of people. Um, and you know where I'm about to go with this one is it, you quite famously said there. Men don't talk face to face; they talk shoulder to shoulder, which become the motto of not just the Australian Men's Shed Association, but men's sheds around the world. Um, and that's been quoted many times and misquoted many times. But can you tell us just how that came about? A bit of the backstory on that one. Yes. Well, I was. Uh, I um, yeah. Well, as you know, I, I said it. I don't think it was actually in my in my notes, and it sort of just I just pulled it out of the air, um, and and said it. Uh, and um, as you say, it has struck a chord. The uh, you'll notice that the UK Men's Sheds Association um, monthly newsletter is called Shoulder to Shoulder, um, and. Uh, yeah, it, it has been a, a very powerful uh, motto. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was just, it, it was time for a motto and I think it was you, although it was me that said it was you that that sort of acknowledged its importance and asked me, do you mind us using it? And, and um I'm still waiting for the royalties to come in from, from, the, from the, <laughs> the check. The checks in the mail, mate. From, from well, I'm assuming that the people in the UK will be sending me one at some stage soon too, David. It's yes. I'm just checking what 15 percent of nothing is. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just delighted that it's gone somewhere and that that all of that work. And I've said before, um, and you and I have done a fair bit, David, but 
we didn't create this thing. We, we, we've climbed onto the back of an already galloping tiger. Oh, very, very, very much so, Barry. I still remember it mainly when I got involved and first started, you know, I'd spoken with Ted and met Ted prior to the event, of course, but when, you know, we were starting to put the foundations of AMSA together, you know, I had a few ideas and, um, you know, it worked previously with an association and I famously said to Ted, I'm happy to help you out, uh, give you a hand. I think there's a lot of merit in this, but um, there's only, I think I had six months left at that stage on my employment contract of a 12-month contract. And um, I said to, to Ted, I'm happy to help out to Ted and Gary, but um, after my contract runs out, I'm going back to a real job. Yep. Um, and now I look back on that and think, well, that was what, 13 odd years ago and it's still going, so I still haven't found that real job. I, I think it's important to, for, for you and I to acknowledge that a lot of the people who started this are no longer with us. Um, I mean, yeah. if you do the demographics, it started around 20 years ago. Some of those men uh, were in their late 60s, early 70s, if they're still alive, they're in their mid-80s to mid-90s or they're very unwell. Mm. And um, I just think that uh, just acknowledging the people who did the hard yards because a lot of people thought that men's sheds were, sort of, you know, fairies at the bottom of the garden. Uh, and there was, there was resistance to this from... Some academics, um, you know, a lot of lot of professionals thought that um, they could fix the world on their own. Um, there were some women who, uh, for a range of good and bad reasons, objected to some sorts of men's sheds. Um, there were there were turf wars. Uh, as you will remember well, uh, between states uh, and 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 the national organisation, um, so it's never going to be simple. And in the end, because you're dealing in the end with with autonomous, different individual sheds, it's like, uh, and this is one of the challenges, I guess, for AMSA that you know very well. It's it's like herding cats. Um, <laughs> although it's the one movement, they're all different and they all scatter in different directions. Sometimes they'll run to you, but sometimes they'll run away from you. And organising a random group of older blokes through organisations which are changing and evolving and and changing leadership and, and and sometimes moving on and sometimes going under and sometimes being reborn must be a very difficult task. And that's where we'll pause. Next time, we will explore how the Australian men's shed movement became a global men's shed movement. That's next time with Barry Golding. Staying strong. Staying sharp staying healthy with the shed wireless to quote from the great clint eastwood do you feel lucky punk well do you 
We want to talk today about gratitude, finding reasons to be appreciative, even when things at first glimpse might seem pretty grim. And we're joined, as always, by Stuart Torrance, Men's Health Project Officer for AMSA. Do you feel lucky, punk? I don't know, Aaron. You've got me worried now. (laughs) (laughs) You know the movie and the famous line, right? I do. I do. So he doesn't say that. I looked it up. What he actually says is, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? (laughs) (laughs) That he does, yes. Isn't it funny how we remember things different ways? Yeah, uh, apparently uh, Darth Vader never says, Luke, I am your father either. So (laughs) I went down the internet wormhole this morning, (laughs) surprised to say, about movie quotes. I'm surprised you're back. (laughs) Uh, no, I'm I'm full of gratitude to be back because that is today's uh, subject matter. Do you actually have a, a mechanism or a process or a habit where you regularly practice gratitude? Uh, I do, Aaron. Um, funnily enough, I um, I've had depression in the past mm. and anxiety uh, creeps up on me every now and again. And what I've found is uh, going and um, checking out uh, things like Pinterest and YouTube and looking up um, random acts of kindness and restore faith in humanity posts. Oh, how interesting. And and at the end of it, uh, I, I usually feel sort of um, calmed down uh, and revived, but also fortified is the word I'm looking for. Um, uh, and and resilient. So, you know, it, it does, it restores faith in humanity through myself and through uh, just doing that exercise. Are you happy to talk about the anxiety stuff for a minute? Yeah, no problem. So what does it look like when you say it creeps up on you? How obviously you've been on a journey where you're a bit more self-aware of it now. You, you identify it when it's tapping you on the shoulder. So hmm. what happens in that moment? Um, it comes out of nowhere, uh, and it can be for absolutely no reason. Um, sitting in traffic, uh, walking down the road. Um, I walked into, uh, I went shopping in uh, the United States into a store called the Big Bass, mm-hmm. and uh, funnily enough, I thought that would be a fantastic experience. As I walked through the door, I had this overwhelming anxiety attack. Uh, all the things that I had to look at, all the things that had possibility of purchase. Uh, and I literally had to go outside of the shop and sit down by a, a little, uh, they had a creek and a, um, a water wheel sort of all set up outside. And that was re- rather calming. I, I needed to grasp that moment and sit down on that park bench and just recapture my breath, uh, listen to my breathing and um and restore myself back to normality and then i could go in and shop to my heart's content <laughs> yeah what well, why do you think that happens is there is there any rationality to it is it something that's happening biochemically inside you beyond your control or is it triggered by something externally what do you think's going on well all my life i've been a very happy go lucky talkative mm. engaging sort of person um never had a problem and uh i used to smoke very heavily and I wanted to stop, and I went to see my doctor, and he gave me a drug, um, and uh, basically it opened Pandora's box for me. So whilst it helped me stop smoking, 
it also caused a massive black hole uh, that I couldn't climb out of. Fortunately for me, my wife noticed that something was going wrong and she packed me off to the doctor for my annual checkup, the first annual checkup I'd ever had. And um, I went in and the doctor asked me numerous times what was uh, going on. And I told him, I said, uh, oh, that's right. I've got to tell you I'm depressed. My wife said so. <laughs> and um, that started the the, the consult. Uh, and uh, in a very positive fashion, he basically pointed out the drug that I'd been taking. One of the side effects has the possibility uh, of causing depression. So he says, we have to wean you off that. Here's another drug that pushes you in another direction. Uh, so he put me on that. And three and a half, four years later, I'm now drug-free and um, not taking either of them. But I still, every now and again, get these anxiety attacks that come over me. And I've learned how to recognize them and, uh, and how to cope. I appreciate you sharing that story with us all. No worries. How did you discover this online solution because it seems very simple and very effective and might I say particularly accessible if uh, we're in isolation or the other circumstances that many people find themselves in right now it's a pretty available option how did you get on to that <laughs> by accident like everything else <laughs> um, yeah, right. I was uh, I, I was literally on Pinterest um, one day and not having any particular symptoms or anything like that. But what Pinterest does is it looks at the things that you search for and look for and then gives you other alternatives um, to, to have a look at. And it, it expanded my obvious previous search features to include the uh, Restore Faith in, hum in Humanity. And I started watching some of those clips and... Um, I could feel tears rolling down my cheeks and I could feel a warmth in my heart. And I went, this is a good thing. And what I've just done is a good thing. I, I feel um, like it's, it's touched a nerve. So um, the next time I started to get anxious, I, um, I literally turned on my laptop and went to uh, Restore Faith in Humanity. And instead of random acts of kindness pops up. <laughs> and I watched a few of those clips and restored myself um, just by watching those clips. It's good. Fantastic. Uh, just for the benefit of people who may not have heard of Pinterest before, it's like the word interest, as in, you know, interesting. Yeah. It's like the word interest, but with P in front of it. And there is a reason for that because it's originally designed as a pin board kind of thing. But if you're going into your search engine, just put in interest, but with a P in front of it, and you'll be off to the races, won't you? Yeah, but you might not come out. You might not come home. <laughs> it, it's that before you know it. It's that wormhole. Be Clint <laughs> it's that wormhole you <laughs> went down this morning. Absolutely fascinating. It's interesting. Gratitude in my life uh, is also practiced, but in a slightly different way. Uh, I have a young family and because of the, the temptations of modern narcissism, you know, social media and projection and everybody's the center of their own universe and all of that sort of thing, we tried to come up with a way to uh, get the kids and ourselves out of ourselves and take a moment to be mindful of our circumstance. So every night when we sit down to dinner and, you know, we would be 
we'd be sitting down to dinner together probably 19 nights out of 20, certainly 20 out of 20 at the moment. Mm. And we go around the table and do who's in your thoughts and something that you're thankful for. And it's quite cute when the five-year-old does it and it's something different when the 12-year-old does it and it's something different. Sometimes we even do it passively aggressively in to say if, if we think the kids have been treating us shabbily, I'll mention a special effort that their mother has made or something like that. And But it's a really interesting exercise in just for a minute or two every day, we get out of our own self-important universes and find some reasons to be thankful. I love the fact that you sit down to dinner. Well, it's something that we value. Again, in my previous life, before we were all nailed to the floor, I used to travel a great deal overseas for my work. And so those times around the table were really precious. But uh, I just I just know that they were formative in my childhood and um, we're trying to do the same thing for yeah. our kids. And again, that in itself is something to be thankful for, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like um, we've only just started to sit down again. Uh, we were one of these families that used to get our dinner, put it on a tray, sit down in front of the telly, mm. and we were all off in our own worlds with our own little electronic gadgets. But just recently my um, oldest son and his fiancés moved back home and we found ourselves sitting at the dinner table uh, talking about our day. And um, I, I, I do admit it, it uh, makes me feel good to listen to my son and his efforts um, in creating the life he's, uh, he plans for his uh, future wife and himself. Um, oh. It's good. Yeah, that's really good. And, and apart from anything else, it just it's very easy to get wrapped up in your own narrative as they call it you know the stories that you tell yourself and the picture that you paint of your own life and you just realize that everyone's on their own journey aren't they they are they are but then again um our own journey can include others and i'm just thinking here of of things like volunteering which is what the sheds are all about everybody within a shed is a a a volunteer but research has actually shown the Australian National University did some research that volunteering two to four hours per week can increase the benefits to your health by over 10%. Um, that's that's uh, an incredible difference when you consider things like anxiety, depression, but even heart disease uh, and uh, digestion uh, are all infected, uh, affected <laughs> uh, yes. by our, our, our volunteering. And then I start to think um, of the outpouring of generosity in, in times of drought, fires, floods, and, and even just now in the, in the COVID-19, you know, what our, um, what our first responders uh, are doing for us, uh, unselfishly giving. Um, and you see the outpouring of pride that people have in these people doing so much for us. And it's one of those counterintuitive lessons that can take a whole lifetime to learn, and that is sometimes the best way to get something is to give something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you definitely, um, every time you give, you, you receive um, selfishly uh, inside. Um, I, I don't know whether it's an ego thing, whether it's a pride thing. But uh, it does you the world of good, that warm glow that um, you get just by doing that little bit of something, even a kind word, an encouragement to somebody. Um, There was a research uh, done in the past about encouraging words for children. And 
counterintuitively, the negative words that are placed into children can have the opposite effect. Um, so it's it's um, very clear that uh, being uh, kind, encouraging, and generous has its benefits to our health. It's no coincidence that every time we catch up, I feel uh, a little happier at the end than I did at the beginning. Uh, thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts with us today and for giving us a few ideas about how we can practice gratitude and I guess count our blessings. I mean, look, honestly, Stuart, one of the things at the moment, when you see how some of the rest of the world is trying to deal with the current crisis, you can't help but count your blessings that we live in this country apart from anything else, can you? Actually, that's one of the things my mother used to say to me. Count your blessings, Stuart. Name them one by one. Uh, Noticing your surroundings, taking time to reflect, to listen to your own breath, uh, but looking for the good that's out there uh, will uh, overcome uh, all sorts of negative situations, but also stand you in good stead for your health. I'm grateful that you are a part of the Shed Wireless. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Stuart. Champion Aaron. Take care. Stuart Torrance, Men's Health Officer for AMSA. Now on the Shed Wireless, let's see who's working in the shed. To find out who's working in the shed this episode, we're going to head into Western New South Wales and the Wellington Men's Shed, where we find the inaugural chairman, now retired, Gary Hayes. Hi, Gary. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing? Great, thank you. And we appreciate you being on the Shed Wireless. Tell us about the genesis of the Wellington Men's Shed. Well, it started with a group of women, actually. Well, not the shed, but it started with a a thought bubble from a group of women that were involved in craft work out in the West, and they said, there's plenty for women, but not much for men. And can you do something? And at that time, we were just, uh, my wife and I were just retiring, and uh, there was uh, something on the TV about men's sheds and that there was going to be a conference at Manly. That was in 2007. And so my wife and I went to that conference, and we learned a lot about men's sheds and thought, this is just the thing that Wellington needs. And we discovered another guy who we didn't know was at that conference from Wellington, and together with uh, another man, we set up a committee, um, or we were the committee, and we decided that we would get a men's shed up and going. And that's what we did. It took us about 12 months, and we put a few things together, um, quite a few things together. And one of the things that come out of the conference was um, men's sheds were about healthy men. And uh, we wanted a place that was uplifting for men. That's what came out of the conference. And so uh, we we decided to set about getting it going with with that in mind. I'd like to talk a little more about that in a moment. But before we do, what do you remember of what was involved in setting up the shed process because it's pretty well established with 1,100 of them around Australia now, but that wasn't the case back then. No, we we did register with AMSA at the time and we our number is 243. So we were 243 sheds, uh, sorry, 246 
at at that time. So we were one of the early sheds, I guess, in the men's shed movement. And um, um, yeah, we we took on board everything that they could offer us at that time, which was uh, obviously limited to what it is today. Why do you think the Wellington's men's shed has succeeded? What works about it? Well, uh, in those early days, we set about building good foundations and uh, we we put together some things like we need to treat um, people how we'd like to be treated and that's fairly common and, and uh, there was respect and support and care and encouragement and we thought this would be a good healthy activity. Um, we also brought into that generosity. One of the early things that uh, when we first started or commenced, we needed a project to do and we took on a project of building wheelchairs for kids that have had their legs blown off in Uganda. And that was uh, something Rotary and Surface Paradise were doing. And we took it on and it was going to cost us $1,000 and we didn't have that money. And uh, the community, our community, got behind what we were doing and the men soon learned what it was like to be generous because people were generous back to us and that project was one of the first things that we did. And um, I guess we learned a, a biblical proverb from Solomon, <laughs> it is better to give than to receive. And that's something that's been part of our foundation right down through our 12 years of existence. It's, it's better to give because we have received so much back and not even asking for it. It's just come back to us in an amazing way. Philosophies like that, though, are easy to say and hard to live. How have you maintained a positive culture there? Well, we don't preach it. We, we live it. Um, and I guess that's, that's what it's all about is, is that um, it's just something that you, you practice and you do. And, and you say, oh, in our very early days, a, a group said to us, we've got a spare toy at a bus. Would you like the bus? And we said, oh, yeah, we'd love a bus. What are we going to do with a bus? And part of our program is to have um, uh, days out. And we've had uh, over or close to 70 different um, activities we've done on the bus and going to places of interest and particularly uh, to other men's sheds. We go to other men's sheds and find out what they're doing and we learn a, a lot from them. And so the generosity of that bus and then that went into uh, um, the bus was really too small. Um, it was a coaster bus. It was always chock-a-block full. And um, a couple from Yass gave us, asked us if we would like a bigger bus. And we got a, a bigger bus given to us that had 29 seats. And so we had that and we outgrew that and that couple ended up giving us um, another bus, a very old bus, a a Mercedes bus, and that that has 35 seats, and we have that bus today, and we sold the others, and we have this um, very old bus, which is 
we just have a fantastic time out in, in the bus and we're able to use it um, to help others. Um, on one particular occasion, I remember uh, there was uh, bushfires in Coonabarabra and our men said we could go and help somebody build their fences and the, the men went to Coonabarabra and 27 of them went to Coonabarabra and, and built a couple of kilometres of, fence for that, of fences for that farmer and he was overwhelmed, our guys were overwhelmed um, and so it's, it's those sorts of things that happen that build our men's shed um, into what it is today and and we've found down over the years that generosity of others um, has just been amazing to us. And, and we have a, a complex today that we own our own land and we have a 600 square metre building on it that was given to us. The buildings were uh, army buildings and given to us by the government and they were just amazing. They were new buildings going to go to Vietnam and never did. And they were still in their boxes, brand new and about 55 years old. And our men took them on board and built their own sheds. And so that's been that culture of our shed and it's just uh, the guys still are involved in all those sorts of things today. So I haven't been inside your shed, but I've had secondhand reports. It's quite the experience because of the history of those buildings, right? Exactly, and and the community got behind us to help us um, put it together. We didn't have the money um, to buy the land. We didn't have have the money to to put things together. Um, but in amazing ways, for instance, an example was we were raising money. We had a big grass sale one day. It was enormous grass sale, and we. We raised um, $6,000 from that sale, but through the day, a, a guy come in and, and he said, I don't want to buy anything. He said, but I, can I make a donation? And uh, the guy that he was talking to, he said, yeah, yeah. And he gave him an envelope and the guy handed the envelope in. And at the end of the day, when we're counting the money, what's this envelope? And they said, oh, somebody said they make a donation. And so I opened the envelope and there was a check for $10,000. Yeah, wow. And so we made $16,000 that day. <laughs> and 10 of them were in one envelope. <laughs> yeah. And, and who is this guy? And a couple of the guys said, oh, he's, he's an old bachelor. He lives on his own. On a, he's got a property out of town somewhere. And nobody knew much about him but he's a member of our shed today. That's fantastic. What is the mix of blokes you've got at your shed? Oh, the mix of blokes. Um, you can go from sort of uh, rural workers, you know. Um, oh, one of our guys, he used to work on a quail farm, and that was most of his life, working on a quail farm, um, just looking after quails and that sort of thing. And, and you can go right through the the whole spectrum of another guy makes glasses, another guy was the engineer for Smith's chips for about 30 years. Um, we know how to make Smith's chips. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we have um, right up to the, the top guy, well, 
not the top guy. We treat everybody the same. But uh, his name's Sir Robert, and he was a Chief Justice. And he's just treated as one of the men. And so um, they're all treated the same. doesn't matter where they come from. There's obviously a number of retired farmers and uh, um, there's others that have retired from Sydney um, and wanted a, a different lifestyle in the country. And so we just have a, a great variety of men that all get on well together. What about for yourself? You were involved from the start. I understand you held a number of senior positions for close to a decade there, including chairman, but your health has limited your involvement lately? Yes, it has, and um, um, sadly, but but that's okay. I, I have to accept that's my situation, and and I had to stand down, and and, and I did redraw from the committee. Um, we've got a, a very good committee that's been, um, most of them have been on it from the inception and the, the um, support of the men, um, we, we encourage one another, we, we help one another in, in every aspect that we can and, and that, was, that all comes back out of the foundations that were laid. My situation is, is that I just enjoy going and having morning tea. In fact, most of the guys would say the best activity in our shed is morning tea. And uh, morning tea is a, a great time of friendship, and and um, they you wouldn't know what's going to come out at morning tea time. And um, there's all sorts of stories, and um, with this cross section of men, um, they they get on well, and and they just enjoy each other's company, and that's what makes our shed the shed that it is today. If a shed is listening to this maybe looking to start up a new operation or it might be established as long as yours has been. It might be number 220. What have you learned from your time in the shed? What wisdom can you share with other shedders? Well, let's say, first of all, every man has a story. And with every man having a story, um, we're all different. And so every... Every community has different sorts of men or, or different backgrounds of men and they all have their own individual stories so they're all different and then every shed is different and there's no two sheds the same even though we, we're about 50 kilometres from Dubbo but we are nothing like what the Dubbo shed is like even though we're in a rural area we're totally different and so starting up you, you have to um, look at the sort of men that you have and what their backgrounds are and capabilities and what you might do. And they might not necessarily do what a lot of men's sheds do, but um, they can do other things. And I, I did hear about a shed in Victoria and they uh, had three small communities that come together and two nursing sisters used to take them out in a bus once a fortnight and that was their men's shed three small communities going out on day trips in a bus 
once a fortnight with these two nursing sisters. So, you know, there's all sorts of options that you can build a men's shed and you have to look at what is needed in your community and how best you can you can do it. That's that's what we discovered and we found a niche in our Wellington community and we have fantastic support from our community. Thank you so much for sharing that little bit of wisdom and the story of the Wellington Men's Shed with us. You stay strong and healthy, look after yourself, and thanks very much for being on our Working in the Shed segment on the Shed Wireless. Thank you, Aaron. It's my privilege, and uh, we, we just uh, trust that men's sheds across Australia uh, will, will continue to do the good work that they do in the communities that they're, they're involved in. Wellington has been very lucky to have him, inaugural chairman of the Wellington Men's Shed, Gary Hayes there, talking you through what goes on in that neck of the woods. What goes on in your neck of the woods? You can email us. And you can do what Gary just did. Tell us all about what's going on in your shed and share it with people right across Australia and indeed around the world. Drop us an email. We'll send you a shout out. We might even give you a ring and have a yarn on the Shed Wireless. The email is theshedwireless at menshed.net. Theshedwireless at menshed.net. That's working in the shed. You're listening to The Shed Wireless. And that is where we will pull the door closed and put on the padlock for this episode of The Shed Wireless. Except, of course, you can listen to us as many times and as often as you like. Go back and listen to the first couple of episodes as well. And now, David, you can interact with us on the email as well. That's right. And look, we'll be posting that address in our newsletters and on the website, so and direct links to to be able to send an email to us. So, look, as again we stated in the beginning, please get in touch with us and let, let us know your thoughts and any ideas you have for content for, for the program. And just a holler. You know, it's great to be able to address you by name, mention your shed on the Shed Wireless, and get that sense that we're all in this together, as indeed we are. So, as David said, you can find it on the website by all means, or here it is if you want to scribble it down, the Shed Wireless at menshed.net. I'm Aaron, he's David, but you can just address it to the Shed Wireless, and we would really love to hear your correspondence. If you are already receiving us via the streaming services, well then, well done you. It means that you don't have to remember that at two o'clock on a Thursday, a new episode goes live. Uh, You can go straight to the website from two o'clock any Thursday and you will see a fresh episode has been posted and that's just at the Men's Shed Online. While you're there, why don't you have a play around and talk to a few of your mates via the Shed Online mechanism that is created there. I, for example, was talking to a shedder this week whose daughter had swung by because there's been some slight relaxation in the contact rules. And so his daughter had swung by and set him up in the Men's Shed Online and also with a podcast stream. So you can get it through the website, but you have to remember to go there. If you don't want to remember or you'd find that challenging and you just want it to turn up on your phone or your iPad or your computer, then that's easy done. We're available through iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Red Circle, 
any of those podcast uh, apps or download platforms that you use. You just type in The Shed Wireless and it will come up. If you enjoy it, please subscribe because that means it'll come to you automatically all the time. You can also write a little review on there. It only has to be three or four words and you can give it a star rating as well. The reason why that matters, it's not to stroke our ego, but uh, the magic machines inside the system take notice of the ones that get good reviews and they think, ah, someone else might like to see that and it will spread the shed wireless far and wide and make it easier to find. Of course, there's also the old school, old fashioned way to do things and that is just tip a mate into it. Ring them and tell them how to find it. You can email the forward to them, however you like to do it. Uh, what we're trying to do is make the barrier to entry as low as possible so that there's no excuse not to come and hang with us at the Shed Wireless. Thank you very much, David. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Aaron, and we'll speak next week. We will indeed, and thank you, Shedders. Stay safe, stay strong, and we'll see you the next time we gather next to the Shed Wireless. Shed Wireless.